Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. We're holding in Perkevot, Perkehei, Mishnah Hei. This is a fascinating Mishnah. On the theme of ten, when we've been discussing ten for the last few Mishnayot, so this Mishnah tells us ten miracles that used to happen in the Holy Land, specifically in Yerushalayim. And these are miraculous things, the fascinating thing. We're going to go through each of these. Some of them have to do with the specifically Beit HaMikdash, and some of them have to do with Yerushalayim in general. But these were miraculous events that happened continuously in Yerushalayim when there was a temple, when there was a Beit HaMikdash. I saw one of the Mepharshim bring down is, why, why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu give us these miracles? We're going to go through them. They're amazing things. But he explains like this, is that we know Yeshua bin Nun brings the Jewish people into Eretz Yisrael. And then they're living in Eretz Yisrael, but it becomes a much more mundane life. I mean, you think about it. You're traveling in the desert for 40 years. You're eating man from heaven. You're drinking water from a rock. You're protected by clouds of glory. There's a clear revelation of Hashem's presence amongst you. It's, it's not... You don't have to have half a brain to realize that God lives amongst us. So the Mepharshim speak out. But now, when they go into Eretz Yisrael, now they're going to live a more mundane life, a simplistic, uh, more base, physical reality. You're going to work the soil. Normal, what you call normal. You're going to work the soil. You're going to produce crops. You're going to grind the wheat, etc., etc. So you could certainly lose touch of that connection that you have with Hashem. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu did a miracle with us, as we're about to learn, ten miracles that were continuous when they had a Beit HaMikdash, so that people would take Musar from that, take lesson from that, and recognize, no, no, Hashem still is amongst us. He still does live amongst us, based on these miracles that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was doing for them. So let's see, let's see the Mishnah now. Mishnah says, Asaran Yisim HaMikdash. It says, there were ten miracles that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did for us in the Temple. Now it says Lavotenu for our forefathers, it means it was for them to take Musar, to take the lesson and recognize that Hashem was still with them. So number one, A woman never miscarried from the smell of the korbanot. Now what does it mean? So there's halacha actually, very interesting. If a woman who's pregnant smells something and she desires that food, you have to give her that food even if it's asur. I'm not going to say this as a flat rule, we could always do it. But it is such a halakha, there's such an idea brought down. Now why is it? That would seem to be the implication. I'm not going to pask in here because we're just learning Mishnayot, but we go to the halakha, we should look at it. Why is it allowed? Because if you don't, there's a problem. It's pikuach nefesh. The pikuach nefesh of the mother, and it's a risk also to the baby. So now, you think about it for a second. I don't know if anybody ever thought about this. You, you, you like to make meats. The Beit HaMikdash was like one big slaughterhouse, butchery, and barbecue in one. Think about it. That's what it was. Because think about it. That's what it was. You go in there, and there's korbanot. There's tons of meat everywhere being slaughtered, being processed, being cooked. It probably smelled like, you know, in a certain way, amazing. In certain areas, at least, the parts that they dealt with will momentarily deal with, that were dealing with the innards, probably wouldn't smell very good. But we'll see, even that wasn't too terrible. But it was a huge barbecue. Think about by the Regal, think about by Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. All the Jewish people came and attended. It was like the biggest barbecue, backyard barbecue you could imagine ever. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unintended? What's that? 
intended. No pun intended. No, no. No, really, really. I'm serious. Yeah, that's really what it was. Amazing. Amazing. Argentina, the airport, national airport. You land, you get out of the plane. You smell it already. That's amazing. And when you go out, you see like almost half a mile away, there is a guy doing barbecue. Amazing. You smell it. so much. These days, you go, I go next to the grill. You don't smell. That's interesting. So that's the first. That's the first nest. The first nest was that no woman ever miscarried from the smell. Meaning, like we said, the smell not giving it to the woman can cause her to miscarry. You have to give it, even if it's basara sur, prohibited meat. No woman ever miscarried in the Beit Hamikdash from that smell. That's number one. Number two, This is a very interesting miracle. Also, you know. We're talking about the good smell after you've cooked it. But before you've cooked it and you're processing, meat doesn't necessarily smell very good. Right? You're dealing with uh, innards. You're dealing with... It could smell very bad. And on top of that, there's something called kochei kalim, which is the lower level of korbanot. They would stay in the Beit HaMikdash compound for two days and one night. Imagine leaving it outside without a refrigerator for two... It wouldn't smell very good. But lo yisriach b'sara kodesh me'olam. There was a miracle. Meat never smelled bad. It never spoiled. And some of the Mepharshim learned the Kohanim who dealt with the meat, their hands never smelled. Again, you're dealing with meat that it wouldn't necessarily smell great. It's been there for two days. It never smelled bad. That's a miracle. Now there was a place called the Beit Hamid B'chayim where they washed the innards after Shechita. So no fly was ever found there. And you go to any place where they're dealing with meat, flies, because flies are attracted to rot meat and rotting meat, etc. Never one fly. Fourth one is, the Kohen Gadol never became a Balkari on Yom Kippur. Now, Balkari is a man who experiences a seminal emission. He never became a Balkari. Oh. We always had a replacement for a different type of Tum'ah. In case... He became Tumah by touching a dead Sheret, something else. The miraculous thing was, he never became a Balkari in Yom Kippur. Now, that's a specific miracle because Kari would be more embarrassing. It's a Tumah that comes from the body, inside the body, more embarrassing in a certain sense. Never happened that a Kohen Gadol became Tameh with Kari on Yom Kippur. Okay? Number five. The rain never extinguished the fire emanating from the Mizbeach. So we know the Mizbeach HaChitzon, the Adar Mizbeach, didn't have a cover. Even though it would rain, the fire on the Mizbeach continued. This was a miraculous thing, obviously. Miraculous fires like Mina Shamayim, the rain never put that fire out. And the wind never moved the pillar of smoke, meaning the pillar of smoke that ascended from the Mizbech, it was a straight pillar, the wind was never able to move it. Rambam says, one second, Rambam Kotev, one second, is when they were bringing korbanot, the wind would stop. Can you imagine? They're about to bring korbanot, the wind stops. Everything takes it easy. It doesn't say difference between bayit rishon or bayit sheni. It doesn't say a difference. I wasn't sure, but it doesn't say a difference. Yeah. I tried to look it up, and I couldn't find that someone says this specifically was bayit rishon. I didn't find it. I didn't find it. So I'm not sure. 
Yochai was asking if this was all in the first temple or the second temple, but I, I, I haven't found the distinction. I don't. I haven't found this it. Also be the third temple. For sure, but I'm saying we're talking about what was. But yeah, Sorry. yeah. Number seven we're up to. This is seven. Number seven is, oh, sorry, three. Three things included in number seven. There was no psul ever found in the Omer. The Omer was the barley offering that was brought on the 16th of Nisan, which allowed people to eat the chadash. They allowed people to eat the new tfuah. Now, this was specifically important because they would only harvest the night of the 16th going into the day the exact amount that was necessary for the Omer. Which means if it would turn out to be Pasul the next morning, they wouldn't be able to bring the Omer. Okay, and it never... Pasul, something turned out to be Pasul. Like I don't know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure in what way. It became invalid somehow. Barley? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. Somehow it became invalid. Uh, maybe something to tell me. Yeah, maybe, maybe something like that. I'm not sure. Yeah. So it was never invalidated. But again, the point is, is that even though the chiddush in that is, there was never, uh, there wouldn't have been any more to use because they only harvested enough for the omer. So the chiddush is, but that was never a psal. There was never an issue with it, so they were always able to bring it. And included in the seventh one is the shteilechem. Shteilechem was the wheat bread offering that was brought on Shavuot. It allowed the new grains to be used in the Beit Hamikdash. And again, this is also interesting. You can't bring this korban on Shavuot or Shabbat because it's not Doches Shabbat, or, or, or Yom Tov for that matter. So they would actually bake it before Shabbat. That's what they would actually do, before, before Shavuot. And again, if it would turn out to be Pasul, they wouldn't apparently have enough time, enough things there to bring it again. So the miracle was, one second, the miracle was that there was never a Pasul and there was never an issue with that. Just hold the thought. And with the Lechem Apanim. We know Lechem Apanim was the special breads that were baked and put on the shulchan for the kohanim, and they stayed there till the next Erev Shabbat. That's what's what happened. So also there, if it would become pasul, the issue would be, now you would have a shulchan without bread, which is a problem. Also, there was never a pasul in these three breads. Again, you know, you deal with any cafeteria with food production, there's always going to be a certain amount of food, a restaurant, there's always a certain amount of food that's not good, that's pasul. That's no. invalid. That's not fresh. That uh, fly falls into no, it. Beit Hamikdash was never an issue with the breads. Yeah. Never an issue. Yeah. Never an issue. It's a miracle. Miracle. Yeah. What do you want to say? You would die. Has Rob heard um, of the this, uh, of some, somewhere that any generation didn't build the Beit Hamikdash that they destroyed it? Yeah. Where is this? Do you remember the source? It's a Gemara somewhere. Yeah. Gemara? Yeah, I believe. So if we don't build it, as if we destroyed it. Yeah. So we have to build it. Yeah. To do, to do the good things so that it gets rebuilt. Let's continue here. Number eight, we're up to. This is a fascinating miracle here. Omdim tzifufim umishtachavim revachim. This is a fascinating miracle. There were so many Jews. Imagine all the Jewish people go to the Beit HaMikdash. They're all davening to Hashem. Now there's so many Jews. Omdim tzifufim literally means that they would stand squished together, crushed together, shoulder to shoulder. There was no room. But when they would bow down to do modim, when they would bow down to say vidui and talk about the Raverot, Hashem made a miracle. Revachim. Revach What does it mean? It means everyone had room, had four amot. Why, why, is that, why was that important? Because when they would bow down to do vidui, they were talking about the Raverot. It would be embarrassing if somebody was right next to me and listening to the Raverot that I was, was uh, confessing. So therefore... 
Hashem made a miracle that I'd be able to bow down with comfort. Now again, practically speaking, that was impossible. This ties into the idea, it's called Eretz Tzvi. Tzvi, the deer, it's, it, it, it miraculously splits. The Tzvufim, or opens up. Tzvufim, the Mepharshim say Tzvufim is also... Stretches. Tzvufim is also Milashon Tzaf. Tzaf means to float. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this, but when there's so many people crammed together in a small space, what could happen, this is actually a very dangerous thing, somebody's so squished <laughs> together that he's, flo- to he's floating, <laughs> his feet are off the ground. I mean, we have stories, people get trampled, chas v'shalom, it's yeah. very dangerous. But that's what it was, is that they were in the Azariah, everybody is so crammed together, there's clearly not enough room to bow down, but the moment they go to bow down, suddenly it like opens up. Now there's four amod for every person. That's a miracle. Eight. Number nine, A snake or scorpion never damaged anyone in Yerushalayim ever. So the Mepharshim say there were definitely snakes and scorpions. That was, a, I guess, a desert-type area. It certainly existed. No one ever got damaged from that. These are Mepharshim's clear miracles. And final one is, A person never said to his friend, It's too claustrophobic, it's too difficult for me to be living in Yerushalayim. I'm going to move somewhere else. So the Mepharshim speak out a few different pshatim and what this means. Nobody ever said this. The first pshat they say is, for the inhabitants of Yerushalayim. Meaning the inhabitants of Yerushalayim never said, I can't make Parnassah and stay in Yerushalayim, I have to go somewhere else. Means the people who lived there, there was a miraculous existence. Is that even though it may have been difficult to make Parnassah, everybody was able to figure out how to stay there and live there. You didn't have to go out. Also actually, today. well, today it's not so simple. There are Hatarim actually to leave Eretz Yisrael, but those are Hatarim. It's not ideal, right? If you make Parnassah to get married, there's different reasons. But in those days when there was Beit Hamikdash, people could make Parnassah and live in Yerushalayim. They didn't have to go elsewhere. That's a miracle for sure because. It's definitely not a simple thing. That's the first pshat. It's talking about the inhabitants of Yerushalayim. The second pshat, they say, it's not talking about the inhabitants, but the ole regalim. The people who would travel from outside of Yerushalayim to be in Yerushalayim for Yom Tov. So for those people, you'd imagine millions of people are traveling to Yerushalayim. It's going to be squishy. There's not going to be room for rent. Forget about Airbnb. It's not happening. But no, that's what it was, is that no one ever said, everybody figured out how to stay. Meaning, everybody was able to, it was always comfortable. Other Mepharshim comment is that the Mishnah doesn't say it was always comfortable, but no one ever said, no one ever said it's uncomfortable. Now what does that mean to say? Meaning it was uncomfortable, but no one ever complained about it being uncomfortable. Mepharshim say, one second. The Mepharshim say what it means is, even though it was it was squishy, <laughs> millions of people in Yerushalayim, but no one felt that, the way they say it is, this is the Chatam Sofer, he says, They loved Yerushalayim and the Mikdash Hashem, the temple, and there was such a uh, love between people, that even though you know this one was sleeping with his foot on the other guy's head, and there was no room, there wasn't room, but no one ever complained about it. That's, that, that, that's a miracle. That's, that's a miracle. Can you imagine that? That's not in the Beit Hamikdash, though. When you say miracle today, when we, I'll just finish off with this. When we were the yeshiva, used to be on 19th Street, and it moved to 41st Street. So 
I remember when I was in high school is when it moved, and it was like between moving. So some classes were there. So it was it was it was in between. Some classes were south. Some classes were the northern campus. So I remember the principal, Rabbi Friedman, Nissen Friedman. He used to drive the boys over, including myself, from 19th Street to 41st Street for the night seder when we learn at night. And he had a minivan, and he used to like cram like 19 people into his minivan or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and I remember him saying, and it's uh, the truth to it is, when there's room in the heart, there's room in the car. He always used to say, which is there's a lot of truth to that. You know, when you get together with that retreat with your cousins, you don't care if one's sleeping on the other, you know, the, the, the guy's foot is, it's okay, everybody's comfortable. <laughs> the problem is, is if it's not your cousins, meaning the moment there's a disconnect, so then no one has room. So Everyone's uncomfortable. Let's hold off on Arabs for now. <laughs> if, if there's a discomfort, it means I don't like you, whatever. So then already, even if I have my own room, I, I don't have enough room. But when we get, to, we get along nicely, you could be three people sleeping in one bed or four people sleeping on the <laughs> other. There's room in the heart, there's room in the heart. In Yerushalayim, there was such a love, there was such a brotherhood, such a fraternity that existed. Everyone got along. No one ever said it was too cramped for me. It's not the Shem. We should merit. You're talking about bringing back the Beit HaMikdash. You know, first thing we do, we bring back that type of chiba and that achdut. And then, the natural thing, this the Beit HaMikdash is going to be rebuilt. We is that a question? Right. That's, that's the it idea, depends really. on us first. That's us. We have to, we have to we do have that. We have to prepare ourselves. Exactly. And then automatically, the Beit HaMikdash is going right. to be rebuilt. No, that's we need that. to get the construction materials in place. <laughs> <laughs> the construction materials <laughs> is the Ahavat Yisrael. That's, that's what it is. That's maybe a component, but you need to actually... All right, listen, get it in place, man. All right, we'll stop here. We'll pick up with Vav tomorrow. Have a wonderful day. Exactly.